Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Your co-hosts, Jamie Albright and Sarah Rosette, couldn't be more different. In fact, they're a study in contrasts. However, despite all of their differences, they agree that sharing what they wish they'd known, both the good and the bad, is the key to moving forward. Let's get to the show. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Them podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And today we have a great podcast for you, don't we, Sarah? Yes, we've got an interview with Adriel Wiggins, and she's my virtual assistant. So we're going to talk about all things virtual author assistant stuff. And um, it's so interesting and so great. Yeah. Yeah. She answers a lot of the questions that we had that, that we, that I see a lot in groups about like, what cannot, what can they do for you? How do you work together? What can you, how do you find one? Um, how, just different things like that. So we hit on a lot of things that Adriel does for me, but since one of the most, um, questions I see most frequently is like, what, what can they do? What can assistants do for you? I made a short little list of some of the things that has helped me the most. And so she um, does my audio proofing, which I do not enjoy listening to audiobooks and like trying to figure out, is this word correct? So she does that for me and that saves me hours. Um, she also coordinates like all my contractors, like my proofreaders and, you know, just like everything and going back and forth. That's been a huge help. Um, I hand off projects like website updates and adding books to my website and she books ads for me at like, like I got a book bub. And so she booked some other smaller sites. So it's like a lot of little things that it's just great to be able to hand them off to somebody else and know that they're getting taken care of. So, and she does the PA work for our yes. podcast. I mean, she contacts our, um, she sends invites to our guest and, and the questions and stuff. And so that, that saves both of us yes. a lot of time. Yeah. 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 So I think that it'll be really helpful and, yes. um, we have a lot of fun and we laugh too. Yes, <laughs> we do. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you been doing this week? Uh, well, not a lot. Um, my book has been with the editor. I think it said last week that I had gotten to not great news. Um, but I've kind of figured out how to fix that, but she still had it. I got it back actually, uh, late last, late last night. And I don't know, there's just something about, this edit that feels not great. Um, I mean, she's done a great job. It's not her at all. Um, but it could be my headspace too. Um, this week has been kind of hard. Um, it's the anniversary of my nephew's death. And so, um, for several days I did nothing. I just, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was kind of in a funk and I was like, what is going on? And then finally Tuesday, the anniversary was Wednesday, I went, oh, I guess this is what it is. And it was, it was once I kind of recognized that I was, I, the anxiety was gone. I just knew that's what it was. And I just kind of went with it, but, um, that's hard. And I kind of feel like on here, I'm always talking about <laughs> why I can't write. So really there aren't that many things, but I just feel like I'm always talking about it, but, but you um, are going to have a book out. Next yeah, month I, in June. Next, so, well, actually, and that's another thing. I've decided to move it back. I'm going to move Just it a back little bit. To the first of July. 
Mm -hmm. Because these edits do feel big to me. Um, I don't think they are. I just think Mm -hmm. in my head they do. And I want to make sure I have enough time because when you don't put out a book very often, it's important that that book be the best book it can be. And if that means I push my launch back a couple of weeks, I mean, it's not like my readers mm-hmm. are going, Hey, you said, <laughs> cause I haven't really said when, and yeah. I mean, I said the 18th, but, um, I just feel like I'm giving myself the best chance and I'm right. giving the book the best chance. And since it's the first in a series, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Important. And, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm an independent publisher. I can make those decisions and that's kind of the beauty of this. And, um, I could try to push it out, but then it would, it would just, it would just stress everyone because I have to get it proofread and then I have to send it to my art team and Mm -hmm. it would just. And if you don't have to do that, Right. If you can take the time and it'll give you a little more time to make sure right. that that's really, right. sometimes you right. need a little time away before you yeah. look at it you again. Know. So, yeah. And, and it, I don't want to, people who are like my art team who are doing me a favor, I don't want to say, oh, you've got three days to read the book. That just, you know, that's not very nice. And, yeah. um, and you're not going to get as good of a response. So I think, you know, again, I'm, I'm the opposite of a lot of people in this doing this thing in that I just feel like you have to take your time to put out, to do the best you can, or I do. I, mm-hmm. Other people can, other people's minds and brains and lives work better for just that rapid, get it out, get, do it, do mm-hmm. it, do it. Mine doesn't. And I know that. And so, um, no apologies, just that's how it is. So. And, and you will feel better taking that yeah, time. And when it finally comes out, you'll be happy with it and you'll be glad you right. did. And, and, and if it really in the big scope of thing, two weeks or a week or three weeks, even a month, is not going to happen. not that big a deal. And, and if it doesn't do well, then at least I know I've done mm-hmm. everything I can. And, right. and somehow that makes, it won't make it better. I'll still be, you know in the fetal position, eating my hair, but, <laughs> I will say, but, it, on but you won't have that question. Of, could yes, I, have exactly. done better? Yeah. I will know that I did everything I could. So anyway, yeah. that's me. What about you? <laughs> well, I had a book club on Sunday and so it's been oh, a really good yeah. week. Yeah. I had a free book yeah. and it did really well. It went to oh, like number two in the free store. Oh, that's great. And Which one? it's uh, the first one in the English village series. Oh, that's great. And uh, so I was very happy with that. Did really well on the other vendors as well. And, you know, not bad for a book that came out in 2014. So right, exactly. I'm like exactly. happy with that. So that went really well. And been working on all of number six, which is a Christmas book. So it's starting to get really hot. And I'm starting to, you know, trying to think like about snow and describe yes. snow. It's like, yes. what is snow? What does cool weather feel like? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm working on that. So I've been busy with that and it's been good, but I did think of something that I thought people might be interested in. Um, I, every time I plot a book or think through a book, I do, it ends up being a different process, just mm-hmm. slightly different. And this time, um, normally I think of like, okay, this will happen. I think of plots like an, an event or, um, she'll find out something and it turns everything on its head. And then we go off in this other direction. But this time I thought the way I ended up figuring out the book is in questions like 
like her theories, like, well, where is this person? Oh, he's mm-hmm. dead. So who killed him? And what was he involved in? You know, and so I kind of thought through it in questions mm-hmm. and more like how she's framing her thoughts in each section of the story and like what her theories are. So I know it's just very different for me to do that it that way. So but, cool. yeah. but it worked this time. So yeah. yay. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I have a plot now. (laughs) Yeah, a crapshoot for me. Um, But yeah, that's really awesome. I love that. I I love that. So I guess maybe that'll help. Yeah, I guess we should get on with the show. And sounds good. So here's Adriel. Oh, yay! Whether she's running her own business or tackling administrative duties at her local Christian school or raising her family, Adriel Wiggins has always seemed to find herself at the center of a situation in need of organization. Combining her passion for organizing and optimization with her love of books, Adriel Wiggins now helps authors to streamline the non-writing aspects of managing a successful writing career. For more than five years, she's balanced the ins and outs of book promotion, community growth, online marketing, and more for a growing roster of clients from around the world. So we're super excited to have Adriel Wiggins with us today. She is a virtual assistant and author assistant, and full disclosure, she's my assistant and we want to talk to her about how she helps authors and what she wishes she had known about authors and what she wishes authors knew about assistance. So, right. And by proxy, she's my assistant because she helps us with the podcast. So there you right. go. <laughs> so glad you're here. Thank you. It's really good to be here. Cool. Yes. We're happy to have you. Yeah. So this is a little different from our normal podcast. So, um, would you start us out and tell us um, um, how you became an author assistant? Well, back in 2014, I volunteered to beta read for someone in an author group that I was part of on uh, Google Plus because Google Plus was really good about uh, finding the people that were interested in the things you were interested in. So I was in a lot of author groups. Um, And I read her book and I gave her lots of feedback and I fixed some issues for her in the book and um, she totally loved it and she told me that I needed to um, actually charge people to edit for them because um, I was a better continuity editor than anyone else she'd ever had and um, so then she she began using me on all of her books and she started recommending me to other friends but then about a year later she said you know I don't really need an editor I, I need an assistant. That's what I really need. And I said, okay, that's nice. And then like three months later, she was like, no, I really need an assistant. And I said, that's nice. She was, I was like, I, I thought I already have four jobs. I don't need a fifth one. And mm-hmm. she said, no, like really, I'm going to pay to train you to become my assistant. I need you. And she goes, and, and after a few months, once we work out all the kinks, you can, you know, open your doors to other people. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if you're going to pay to train me, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> so um, I opened my doors for other people besides her in 2017. And uh, so I've been open, public, whatever, since then. That is great. Yeah. So I think that's something that a lot of authors want is they want an author assistant. And uh, I don't know that many of us would take the initiative to say, you're the one I'm going to train you. <laughs> no, right. Because yeah, that's not sort of my problem. Like I, I would love one. I just don't, I need somebody that knows what they need to do. I don't think I 
had trained them because half the time I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So it's like finding finding a job for somebody else is not as easy as it seems. So yeah, her, her day job. I'm, I'm is, impressed that she did that. Is a, a she's a businesswoman. She runs offices for people, um, typically in the medical field, but like she she does all kinds of stuff. So project management was definitely something she was very good at. So. I was just mm. one more project that she mm-hmm. had. <laughs> yeah, that's so, really good. But she had that business mind of future looking mm-hmm. and going, okay, if this series really does really well, I, I have the possibility of becoming more. I'm going to need someone mm-hmm. in place now so that I don't have to train mm-hmm. her later. And so right. it, was, it was very far seeing of her. That's really great. So what assumptions did you make about working for authors and were they right or wrong? <laughs> Well, I figured all or most authors would know at least the basics of what they wanted um, and uh, what no, their goals were. <laughs> that was so off base. Um, and, and a lot of that had to do with, with Gina being business savvy mm-hmm. was uh, she knew what she wanted. She knew where she was going. She knew how to train me to get there. Mm-hmm. Most authors, they don't even know what their goal is for this year. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. five, 10 years down the road. And so they right. had no map no mm-hmm. plan on how to get there. So um, there are definitely some that I have worked for who they know where they're going and I'm just along for the ride and I'm happy to do that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there have definitely been a lot of others that we had to stop with, within a, a, you know, a week of working with each other. And I go, okay, wait, what do you really, really want? What's your <laughs> real goal mm-hmm. here? It's not mm-hmm. me writing your newsletter. That's not your goal. What's, what's your goal? Right. I don't know what my goal is. Okay, we'll start all over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, that's a good yeah. transition because we wanted to ask you, um, authors, a lot of times we can't figure out what we want to outsource. So what are some of the things you do for authors to help them out, just to kind of give people an idea of what, what assistants can do? Um, it comes down to I can do pretty much any step in the publishing process except cover design because I really don't like graphic design. Um, mm-hmm. But then also I know the back end of the business. I know a lot of the odds and ends like running ad campaigns and promos and tracking sales and um, scheduling contractors. But mm-hmm. um, I also can do research. It's not my favorite thing, but I like to, you know, I, it depends on what I'm researching, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sometimes that's surveying readers about what's going on um, and how they're responding to the business. And other times that's like, hey, what are the top 100 cheesiest pickup lines that I can use in all my romance <laughs> books? Mm. So, um, you know, it, but that, so pretty much anything in the, in the business end or the publishing end. Um, and then some of the background stuff, just odds and ends, pretty much anything that takes time away from your writing. It's really what it comes down to is mm-hmm. if you'd rather be writing or if you would make more money from writing than doing this thing, that's, that's prime territory for an assistant to do. Yeah. Oh, there are lots of things that I don't think of, but uh, like one example would be um, uh, when we first started working together, we, I asked you to create a, a spreadsheet for my contract. So I would know when things were going to expire and when books were going to fall out of, you know, with the, you know, when, the, when I could ask for the rights back and stuff. Right. And you said, well, do you have them? If you have them scanned, you can send them to me or something. And I said, oh, I don't have them scanned, but I would love to have them scanned. And you said, 
well, you know, I can do that for you. And I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness, like light bulb. So I sent them all to you. You scanned them all, created a spreadsheet with them, sent them all back. And I mean, that's just something that I wouldn't have even have thought of. And right. Adriel's really good with like data and spreadsheets. She creates these things that are easy to look at and go, oh, this is, it helps me sort through the information, something that's something that I don't do well. So it's surprising to me, the things that she's come up with that I wouldn't have thought of. Oh, that's for, awesome. For a non-accountant, I'm surprisingly in love with spreadsheets. Ugh. I'm not an that accountant at awesome all. That is awesome because I don't I like really them. spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything you would not recommend outsourcing if, if you're an author? Um, this is going to sound really weird because Mary, I just said that I do this, but ads, uh, like when, especially when you're testing, um, when, cause you, the point of an ad is to draw as many readers in and mm -hmm. to buy as much books as possible, but you're spending money to do that. So mm -hmm. I'm not talking about those free promo places like BookBub or, you know, whatever that you spend $600 and then all of a sudden you get a thousand readers. I'm not talking about those. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, like Facebook ads and AMS ads because those take time. They take time to test. They take time to um, figure out what's going to work. But like overnight they can blow up and you can spend a thousand dollars if you're not paying attention. So um, one misstep by an assistant, even one that's really good at that can really, that can damage some business relationships. So mm -hmm. when you're talking about, Oh, it, it'll only be $5. <laughs> Yeah. And then that five dollars turns into a thousand. Yeah, that's scary for both yeah. parties. So, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, I can't. I don't know. Maybe I would, but I can't really see outsourcing my ads because nobody's going to care about my ads as much as I do. Right. And as it doesn't matter how good that assistant is or how how great a relationship we have, I'm still going to care about it more because it's my money. So, and my books and my reputation, but. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I learned that fairly early on in the process. There was one author, she was like, I really want you to do this. And I said, okay, well, I need to get to know you well enough to figure out what you sound like so that mm -hmm. your ads are good. And and after one single campaign for less than a week, she was like, and we're done. I'm like, yeah. Good, okay, <laughs> that's what I thought. Information <laughs> there. Yeah. Well, so um, how, what would you suggest an author needs to think about before they bring somebody on? Like what would be the point when, what are some good things to look for when you want to bring somebody on? What would be some signs that it might be a good time or that it might be too early? Right. Um, <laughs> I was recently at a conference and I heard Dan Wells talk talking and he said, when the, author assistant allows you to write one whole more book a year than they've wow. paid themselves. So that, and you know, you might not actually make what you spent on the author assistant mm -hmm. on that book that year, but when, when you have that much more writing time, um, then you know that they're worth it. So um, a lot of that, you know, you have to sit down and do the math. I'm sorry, authors, you sometimes have to do math. <laughs> But you have to sit down and figure out what your writing speed is and what your typical book is and, and how many hours for research and outlining and writing and editing and everything that it takes to do a book. And then when 
you look at all the administrative stuff and you look at everything else and you say, yeah, I do that much in a year, no problem on all the administrative stuff. If I could hand all that off, then it's worth it. The tricky thing is in the first year, even if you hire an assistant who knows what they're doing already and they have a lot of experience, there's, there's going to be a learning period. There's going to be a time that um, you're training them on you. And so there, there is some time that they're not really making money for you. They, they're definitely sucking money because you're training them. But once you get past that, then um, if they're a good assistant, they're really worth that extra book a year. And when they yeah. get to the point that they've taken enough that that's two, three books a year, that's even better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So what do you wish you'd known about being an assistant? Um, I wish I'd known earlier who my ideal author was. Um, mm. <laughs> I knew Gina was when she hired me because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who else is crazy enough to pay for someone? But when I opened my doors um, for everybody else, I ran a big sale and a bunch, I had a bunch of author friends and they put it, they posted it everywhere and they brought in a lot of people. I think Sarah, you might've been in that first or second wave. Um, but I, and I, I took on pretty much any job at that point because I, mm-hmm. I needed experience. I needed to build a reputation and that wasn't the smartest thing. Um, I took mm-hmm. on a lot of authors that it became very quickly evident that they were not going to be my ideal author. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. not going to work with them. And uh, so I had to go through, you know, cleaning that out and yeah. figuring out who it was I really wanted to work with. Yeah. So what do you, on the other side, what do you wish that authors knew about working with assistants? Obviously you wish we knew what we wanted, but (laughs) other than that. Um, No assistant is a mind reader, none whatsoever. You have to be clear. You have to be concise when you give instructions. Um, And especially when you're first, it's a brand new assistant and you're, and you're trying them out. Like, literally write down every single step of every single process. Um, Because even if they're experienced, they might go, oh, I never thought about doing it that way. That's much better flow or whatever, you know. But when you Mm -hmm. don't do that, you're going to, they're going to, they're going to mess something up if you're not clear enough. Um, So definitely like, I mean, I get to the point now, I have several authors that I've worked with for several years now. So they can say, Hey, will you do such and such with zero instructions? And it it gets done and it gets done the way they want it to, but that's years of working together to build that up. So especially in the beginning. Yeah. Have you found, um, like, is there a certain way that's easiest to communicate with most people? Like, do you email good? Do you do chats or phone calls or what's the, what have you found? Personally, I prefer, I prefer email because then I can go back and I can read it again mm-hmm. and I can read it again. <laughs> I can read it again. And when they're like, that's not what I meant. I'm like, but your email says this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but um, there's a lot that I, when I need to clarify something like when I'm in the middle of it, I often text or call, but um, for the most part, I, I prefer email because then you've, you've got that paper trail of, Oh, that's, I've, re- I misread that sentence. That's what you meant. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think it would be hard too, if you're working with somebody from a different country and, and just, um, if they have different phrases for things and stuff like that, that you'd need to get clarification on those things. 
Oddly enough, my people that live in other countries, it's not the clarification oh. on, on wording. It's the time difference. Oh, like I've been yeah. off an That's email, hard to, and yeah. I'm not going to get it till the, the reply till the next day, you know? So yeah, that that's, is hard. that's a bigger deal. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. So are there some common patterns you see in successful authors, um, you know, having worked with a lot? What are, the, what are some of the things that the ones that are really doing well do? So those who are publishing multiple books a year and making a killing just about pretty much every time they launch a book, mm -hmm. um, as well as low-level sales the rest of the year in between launches, um, they, they have one major thing in common, and that's that they treat this as a business. This is not a hobby for them. This is not right. a creative right. outlet. This is a business. And yes, they mm -hmm. might use it as a creative outlet, but they do not view it as a hobby. It is a business. Mm -hmm. um, so when you have a good business plan in place and you have goals and you have strategies and systems and tactics and those all work toward getting that result that you want, whether that's a dollar amount or your name on New York Times bestselling author, whatever your goal is, um, when you treat it like a business, you have a much better chance of actually reaching it. Um, yeah. So Very good. Yeah, that's a very good answer. Yeah. 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 And I can see how that can help you be less uh, scattered in your approach. If that's your goal, then things are going to, you may not be as distracted by certain things. So on the flip side, are there common mistakes that you see authors making? Um, well, as far as author assistants are concerned, I'd say trusting someone too quickly when you haven't mm. proven them out mm -hmm. on smaller jobs. Um, you don't want to hand over the keys to your kingdom too soon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but once someone has proven that they're competent and that they work well with you, not handing over more and more can mm -hmm. be just as de detrimental. Mm -hmm. But with assistance, you know, start slow, do small jobs that don't, they won't cost you a lot of money if it doesn't go well. Mm -hmm. And once they've proven themselves over and over, then hand off bigger stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think That's a lot true. of authors, uh, I'm a control freak. So, you know, it's like hard to like, that's my struggle is like, Oh, okay. So I can let this thing go and I don't have mm -hmm. to do every single thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what I struggle with. Yeah. You're doing so you've fine, been... I promise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Sarah is doing pretty well. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so you've been in this business since 2014, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what changes have you seen in publishing and um, just the whole business over the course of, of your career? Well, you know, other than the fact that Amazon changes the rules arbitrarily every other day, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> um, there are a lot more options for self-publishers now than there were even just a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot more author tools that have come online. Like we didn't have book funnels in 2014 <laughs> you know yeah. and um that's now one of the greatest sources for most authors whether you're giving them away or you're selling them from your bookstore you're on your site you know and now they have audio too so just lots of lot we have a lot more options to accomplish what we need to um Vellum is great now for formatting and publishing when we didn't have that a few years ago. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, there was only like two programs. Now we have yeah. more, but Vellum is better than all of them. You know, that's mm -hmm. my yeah. personal opinion. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. And so have you, 
are there some things you've had a harder time adapting to or you just kind of roll with the flow? Um, for the most part, I try to roll with the flow, <laughs> but at the same time, when there, when, when someone says, oh, hey, I found this new service, here it is, mm -hmm. then one of the things that I do is I sit down and evaluate um, where it would fit in an overall business plan. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I mean a general one for that. Mm -hmm. And then I start really looking at, will that work for my specific authors? Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, occasionally I'll send out a text to a few people. I'm like, hey, we should try this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, but then I sit down and I test it and figure out if it promises to be, if it is as much as it promised to be um, right. and whether or not that will really work. And so there have been a lot of, you know, MailChimp's implosion last summer meant that I sat down and I evaluated like 50 different mail surfaces and mm. um, came up with the five that I like. <laughs> right. so let's move over here. But um, that, that, I did have to roll with the flow, but that did also require, you know, really sitting down and, and doing some research and figuring out what was going on and the best way mm -hmm. to handle that. So. Yeah. so when you do someone's email, do, I mean, I'm assuming you are since you're doing that, do you, are you writing the content or do they write the content and then you do the other stuff, the formatting and everything? It depends on the author. I prefer mm -hmm. personally not to write uh, the content of their weekly or monthly however often they mm -hmm. send out emails mm -hmm. um, because those need to be personal like I, mm -hmm. I don't mind setting up your automation or your welcome flow and writing the content for those because those are pretty standard um, mm -hmm. but for you know the, your regular emails the majority of my authors send me you know all the pictures and what they want to say and then I go in and I put it all together and make it work mm -hmm. so that's good and I think for anyone listening she just brought up a very good point. Your automations on your emails. If you don't have automations on your emails, um, like your welcome email and stuff like that, you really should look into that because that that's how you maintain, uh, to me, in my opinion, that's how you um, cultivate a really good list because when you have automations, you give people a chance to get off the list yep. that don't want to be there, but it also creates a relationship with the reader and you don't, you're not really doing anything. Those things have been set up in, in advance. And so I just, I think they're amazing. So yeah, I think you definitely should be looking at that. Definitely the most important marketing tool for an author. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. you know, if they just follow you on Amazon, Amazon might change that next week. Yes. You know, yes. if they follow you just on BookBub, well, if something happens to BookBub and they have to close down, mm -hmm. tell yeah. your readers no. Or they just suddenly decide, hey, we're going to focus on traditionally published authors. Then yeah. Yeah, the authors yeah. are kind of left out. So right. um, another thing Adriel is doing for me is um, she's doing my review team. So mm -hmm. like when I have a new release, because that's kind of pretty standard type of like, hey, who wants to read the book? Here's the book. And then she follows up with them. So that's been really nice to hand that off. And uh, that's, that's actually one of my favorite things is I handle ARC teams for both eBooks and audio um, mm -hmm. for several different authors. And, and it's funny cause there's at least a dozen readers that read all of my authors, <laughs> <laughs> even though I have a wide variety of yeah. authors. So it's really funny when I see the same name and I can get, really get to know those people. Um, last year there was a lady who 
is on the ARC team or the beta reading team for at least four of my authors. And I knew she wow, was wow. going to have surgery and be out of pocket for almost a month. So I got all of my authors that I knew had her together and we, we did something for her, oh. you know, and that was an opportunity that we had simply because I did the ARC team for mm-hmm. all of those authors. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I knew, I knew who she was. I got to know her and that was really cool. That is great. And that's kind of, that really shows that yeah. <laughs> you're much more than just like doing like rote things you're involved mm-hmm. and you're interested. So mm-hmm. that's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think just going back to the, uh, when you were talking about email and how um, it's so important, I think right now in these changing times that we're in, you know, really focusing on the best practices of indie publishing, like an email mm-hmm. list and, some other things that those are important because we don't know what's going to change. We don't know how things are going to change. And, but if we're doing the best practices, the things we know that have worked kind of over, over the course of time, um, then we're in a better position, I think, than people who aren't. Would you agree with that? Andrew? Oh, definitely. Yeah. There are some yeah. foundations that, are solid and they work across all platforms, not just authors. Um, they work mm-hmm. for all businesses that these mm-hmm. are, these are best practices, no matter what your industry is. And if we're doing right. at least those, then, mm-hmm. you know, we're way better off than someone who's um, trying every new thing and then dropping them by the wayside. Right. Yeah. Slow and steady. And yes. Yeah. That's, often what wins the race, even though it's not very glamorous. It's not very <laughs> that long tail is important. Yes. Right. Oh, I was going to say, like you were saying that you have authors that they do well on release, but then they have the low level continuous sales. Yes. That's one of my goals is to do well on a release, but then just have the continuous sales so that, you know, you still have people right. coming in and reading and finding you throughout yep. the year. Mm-hmm. It's not all dependent mm-hmm. on a release, which is mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. What you yeah, it is important. I was just going to ask, do you find that you, is there a period of time you generally work with an author or is, does it vary? Like do, do you kind of come on and you stay with an author for six months to get them going or do you find that you come and stay with an author for a long period of time? In the beginning, I did not put a sunset clause in my contracts. Mm-hmm. That was one of those hard lessons I learned. Now oh, they're okay. in all there of my go. contracts. <laughs> um, <laughs> Then pretty much to say, if you, if you don't send me work over the next 365 days, then we're going to mutually part our ways because obviously you don't need me if you're not sending me work. Um, But I, I found that for most authors, they might need a thing done, a project, like please build my website. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I'll come on short term and I'll do whatever that project is. And then they're like, great, thanks. Wonderful. If I ever need anything, I'll let you know. And then I don't see them again for six months or a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, I have, I, I call them the big four. Mm-hmm. Era. Um, but there, there are four authors who have consistently sent me work mm-hmm. every single month mm-hmm. for years now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's small projects and sometimes they're really huge projects, but they consistently say, Hey, could you just, just take this off my hands, please? You know? Right. And right. All of the four of them have all been with me for um, at least two, if not three years now. So. Mm, that's great. I have another question because 
these are not even questions we have written down. They're just questions <laughs> that have come to me real quick. That uh, So I know a lot of authors are concerned. I'm not one of these authors, but concerned about like, they don't like to share ideas because they don't want somebody to steal their ideas. And they don't, you know, they're constantly worried that somebody's going to come in and, and um, well, basically t steal their intellectual property, even yeah. if it's just an idea, you know, or whatever. So how do you deal with that when you're working with multiple authors? And I'm assuming some of them are in the same genre. I mean, how do, do you have something in your contract about? I have an like NDA. I have an NDA mm -hmm. in, my in my contract. Um, and it pretty much said we'll share um, business practices or ideas or stories or anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. unless in any way whatsoever, unless I have prior permission from the author. So, okay. um, I knew I was going to be giving a presentation on author assistance to a, at a seminar and I knew it needed to have specific examples. So I sat down with mm -hmm. one of my authors and I said, what can I say from mm -hmm. your business mm -hmm. specifically? So we sat down she gave me permission. So I have specific things that I can share from her. Um, but the flip side of that is because uh, Gina invested all that time and money in me in training me in in the business aspect and in also the minutia of publishing. She said, go ahead, use this. This is now yours. So I was able mm -hmm. to put together an overall business plan that works for the majority of authors. Um, and that's now my property. Um, mm -hmm. So when we look at specific genres and specific ideas and stuff, um, a lot of times authors, they, they want to know that there's someone else out there doing what they're doing that, so they can work with them to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, do cross promotion or whatever. So mm -hmm. I will sometimes text and say, Hey, do you want to, uh, swap newsletters with so-and-so because I think the book she's about to next month is close enough to the one you're releasing this month, you know, yeah. you might do something like that. And I do put my um, authors in contact when they have the same genre and it is something mm -hmm. that can help. But it's also, I'm not saying, hey, she's working on this really great story idea and you should totally take it because it's going to do really well. I, I don't do any of that. And do you, do you think authors should make sure they have an NDA with their, um, with their assistants? Um, I they do. In a long-term contract. <laughs> I, do I do too. I mean, I do too, but I just. Especially if it's a renewable one. Um, mm -hmm. like every six months or a year, whatever you sign again, um, there might be a point that you take that out because you've trusted them enough because you've worked with them enough. But especially at the beginning, you don't, mm -hmm. you don't know who you're getting at the beginning. So, um, that needs right. to be in there to protect you. It protects them as well. Um, that, that helps mm -hmm. everybody stay safer. Yeah. I think that's really smart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I worked for an author, um, right at the beginning of when I, and we did not have an NDA. And I look back on that now thinking, I mean, I, I don't share anything from that, but I look back on that thinking, well, that was not very smart on either of our parts. I mean, we, we were friends. And so we just sort of went into this and I was, yeah, we should have had an NDA like first thing, <laughs> but we didn't, you know, and many, uh, yeah. many author assistants get their start as, they're a friend of an author or mm -hmm. they're on a reading team and the mm -hmm. author's like, I really love your feedback. I really wish you would take more, you know, like yeah. my story is not an odd one. It's actually pretty yeah. standard. 
that most authors find their assistance from their own reading groups. Um, right. And that's when it can be the most scary because this is mm -hmm. someone that's been reading your work for a while, um, mm -hmm. but, and, and you like them mm -hmm. and they, yeah. they really like your books. So they want to help you, but then you yes. don't really know how badly that can go wrong until it does. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's are there any, are there any other things that people should look for? Like make sure, like if they're looking for an author assistant, you know, make sure there's a contract involved, kind of start small with smaller projects. Um, are there anything, is there anything else you can think of that would make, that should make authors feel a little wary maybe? Um, like different red flags to look for. Yeah. Yes. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not, if they don't have a shingle out as an author mm -hmm. assistant and they're not, they don't have a public business, right. Mm -hmm. um, and you're pulling someone from your reading group, then uh, definitely put all those NDAs in there. But um, that's, that's when you want to make sure that they're not your best friend. I mean, it's, it's really easy mm -hmm. to, ruin a working relationship now mm -hmm. some of the authors i work with now i am very good friends with but that's after years of working with them we became right. good friends we didn't start out that way um right. and, and it's a lot harder to be to make tough decisions when it is mm -hmm. your friends and your family mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. it's a lot harder to say you know what you, you cost me a thousand dollars i can't keep you mm -hmm. on anymore if you're going to cost mm -hmm. me a thousand dollars when it's your, you know, brother's girlfriend's mother or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you, you have to see that person every day. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I, I would definitely avoid friends and family. Mm -hmm. um, but then you don't also don't want to hire someone who you clash with all the time. You, you want to mm -hmm. find a good personality mesh. You don't want to mm -hmm. give them an instruction and they completely do the opposite because they don't think that you made the right choice. Um, right. you, you want to find wow. someone that you can work well with. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, another question off of that, and then we'll get back to the, <laughs> the list of questions. Um, where would you recommend people go if they're looking for an author assistant? So, oh, yeah, that's um, a good question. The very first place is to go ask your author best friend. <laughs> Who's yeah. your assistant? Who have you used before? Who would you never, ever work with again? Um, because you want, you want good recommendations. One of the mm -hmm. uh, key factors in a good author and assistant relationship is trust. And um, the fastest way to build trust is because they come from someone else that you trust. Right. Um, so definitely your friends, people you're close to, but also um, then besides that, there, there are Facebook groups set up specifically for that. Um, authors come in and they say, hi, I need an assistant that can do X, Y, and Z. And then like, you know, however many people comment and they mm -hmm. now have um, a, a list of people they right. can interview. Um, also, mm -hmm. if you, if you already have an assistant who's moving out and that's why you're going to have to look for a new one, um, then yes. often asking them a lot of assistants, we are in contact with each other. We have, we have groups that we've built mm -hmm for each other, to support each other, ask each other questions. And that's actually where I get the majority of my jobs is someone posts in the group, they're like, all right, I can't take this person on right now, but mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. can somebody else? So yeah. um, that's, that's also one of just asking around um, yeah. with other that's authors good. and then other assistants and say, hey, what's available right now? That's yeah. great. Yeah, so what do you think you've done to, 
the best thing you've done to set yourself up for success, like in the in the business that you're currently in? Um, definitely going to school at the beginning. <laughs> so um, at the beginning, um, we we did the Nick Loper course and the Mark Dawson course, mm -hmm. and we we did all the courses that were available back then. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But then every month I read another book that is specifically for the business. So I look for, as an assistant, I look for books that are aimed toward authors for self-publishing, whether it's about marketing mm -hmm. or publishing or ads or whatever yeah. it is. Um, but that, that continuing education and making sure I don't quit. Um, and then there are two conferences that I make sure I go to every year because they, that's where I get the, the most um, business directed learning in, you know, especially in person, mm -hmm. but, um, now I have to say my contract now is way better than it was in the beginning. <laughs> um, a lot of tweaking has happened over the years. And so now I feel much more confident that if I do sign someone on and something goes wrong, uh, we're, we're both much happier with the parting than, mm -hmm. um, some of those authors in the beginning that I didn't have some of those causes like yeah. the sunset clause. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. I think that's, I think you've given us so much good information that will be really oh, helpful because yeah. this is something that comes up over and over again among mm -hmm. authors. They're always like, Oh, I need an assistant, but I don't know how to find one. And so I think mm -hmm. this will be really helpful. So thank yeah. you for talking to us today. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, tell people where they can find out more about you. I'm at adrielwiggins.com. Um, that's A-D-R-I-E-L-W-I-G-G-I-N-S.com. Um, and from there, you can find my social media profiles and my book review blog and everything that I do and all where my prices are and everything else. So. Okay. Well, thank yeah. you for joining us. It's been great. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. Good information. Nice to talk with you all. Thanks. And you can find out show notes and information and links at our website, wish I'd known for writers.com. Thanks yeah. for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the wish I'd known then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.